This is Brian Kaplovitz, and you're listening to the Speaker Match Radio Series, Success Strategies for Speakers from the Pros. This is a live show where we interview top experts in the speaking industry and business to provide emerging speakers with marketing strategies and other business building advice. If you're listening live, you can participate in this call online right now by going to speakermatch.com slash radio. Well, good afternoon, everybody. This is Brian Kaplovitz, your host. And our guest today on Speaker Match Radio is Burke Allen, who is the CEO and owner of Burke Allen Media Strategies. And Burke Allen Media Strategies is a media, marketing, and public relations firm based in Washington, D.C. And Burke is not only a good friend of mine, but he is one of the smartest guys I know when it comes to PR and media, so much so that we decided to partner on a service that brings both of our backgrounds together in a service that we call Guest Match. And today we're going to be discussing maximizing media for speakers on today's program. And I'm really excited for our listeners to learn from Burke because he has over three decades of experience with the broadcast and entertainment industries. He tells me that he started when he was 14 years old, and he spent a lot of time in the trenches working with best-selling authors, publishers, entertainers, nonprofit groups, corporations, all kinds of uh, different organizations. And uh, he really has an extensive roster of award-winning authors and speakers. He's landed the massive exposure on every major television and radio network and cable outlet and hundreds of leading print and online outlets. This guy, Burke Allen, is a real deal. So you are in a great place if you are listening to this call right now. And we're going to cover a lot of ground today, so really uh, be sure to have a pen and paper handy and join me in welcoming Burke right now. Hi, Burke. Thanks for being with hey, us. Hey, what a, what a great introduction. Thanks, buddy. It's good to hear your voice. Yeah, it's good to hear you. And uh, speaking of speaking of that, uh, some people might have heard your voice before because you are a frequent uh, fill-in host on Speaker Match Radio, which I really appreciate. We all do, and uh, you are a fantastic host. Get lots of uh, rave reviews from our listeners. So uh, hopefully, people will be hearing even more from you. And uh, if they have, they they know that you know what you're talking about. Well, thanks. You know, it, it, it's interesting to, to be on the other side of the microphone, uh, but one thing I would tell all your speakers who are listening to always remember is it's not so much the question that gets asked in a media interview, it's it's what the answer is. How do you answer that? And we can get into specifics and, and also answer any questions that any of your listeners have today. I'm happy to do that. Um, it, it really makes it easier for everybody all the way around. You know, it does no good for my company to line up a whole bunch of media interviews for the speaker, you know, the interviewee to blow it when they get there. So um, the media outlets really appreciate when they get uh, seasoned guests and guests that know really how, how it all works. So this will help everybody. I'm happy to do it. Excellent, excellent. So uh, you are all about media attention and there are a lot of people that uh, especially are listening to us right now that uh, that enjoy being in front of an audience. That's why they're speakers. Um, sure. But they may not really understand what, uh, what it means to have media attention. And, and by that, I mean, what does it mean to their business and why should they want 
that kind of attention? What can it do for them? And how does it help them? And uh, you know, really, what are the advantages to using media in building your speaking business? Well, you know, and that's, I think, a great jumping off point. Um, it's really about leveling up your speaking business. Um, you know, we work with, with Speaker Match very closely. We love you guys. Uh, you provide a very valuable service to emerging speakers and, and even some speakers who are really out there a whole bunch um, to sort of level that playing field with the other big speaking agencies that are out there. And, and we have clients that are Speaker Match folks, and we have clients that, that work with some of the big agencies. And I can tell you um, from working with the William Morrises and the United Talents and, and you know, just took over Greater Talent Network and all those agencies that if you really want to increase either the number of opportunities to speak or your your fees when you do speak, that having a bigger national footprint, regional footprint, or local footprint is just essential. If people know who you are, then the checkbooks tend to open. And, look, none of it is easy. Landing speaking gigs is not easy. If it was, everybody would do it. But you certainly grease the skids if, you don't have to first explain who you are and, and, you know, why they should listen to you. If they already know who you are and what you're all about because they've seen you on, uh, you know, Good Morning America or the Today Show or CNN or Fox News or, you know, any number of other television or radio or print or online outlets, uh, you increase, I believe, your chances exponentially of getting those really good speaking opportunities. So it's all about leveling up. From being, uh, you know, the the person that, that has to explain who they are and what they're all about, to the meeting planner saying, "Yeah, I know who that is, and that's exactly the right fit um, for our next meeting or our next uh, event." So you position yourself in the eyes of people that would book you as a true expert, as uh, as somebody who really knows what they're talking about. You know, if they saw you on TV or they read you in print. You obviously know more than most people, right? <laughs> yeah, well, that's exactly right. So, you know, there is some uh, level of vetting that goes on before these media gatekeepers will have you on the air. And if, if you, you, know, you make it on camera, you get on a top radio talk show or somebody writes a newspaper article about you and, and you know, the Washington Post, the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, then you're credentialed. And it's it's a lot like you know, an author who writes a book about a subject, and we always recommend our speakers do a book too. It just separates you out from the pack. You know, it, it means that your credibility stakes go way up uh, if you write a book, and certainly if you've got a nice media resume. I mean, if they click on your website and there are logos on that website that, that show the different media outlets you've been on, and even better if there are short video clips, that, uh, that, that meeting planners can take a look at when they go to your speaker match profile um, or audio clips. I am absolutely convinced because I've seen it, Brian, time and time again, you'll get more offers and more looks than if you had none of that stuff. You mentioned a little bit in your background, or I mentioned a little bit in your background about uh, how you, you got started, but can you share how you got to be working with so many speakers and authors in their pursuit of media exposure? Uh, sure. So, and I will preface this by saying it's not about me. It's about, you know, your listeners, but if, if I can give you just a nugget of inspiration, you know, I grew up in a tiny little coal mining town in southern West Virginia, and I mean... There are, I think, 1,800 people there now, a few, a few more back when I was a kid. 
but there was a local radio station. And I started there when I was 14 years old um, as an on-air DJ. Because I think if you're going to talk into a microphone, you need to do it in a radio station that's air-conditioned. You get to play rock and roll music. And when you're in high school, you can talk to girls on the phone all day. Or you can talk into a microphone and say, do you want fries with that, sir? So I opted for the radio station. And... um <laughs> It's been great. I, you know, I, my career in broadcasting has taken me all over the country, all over the world, um, as an interviewer and uh, a radio talk show host. And I did some television work as well in, you know, from Las Vegas to Orlando to Salt Lake City to here in Washington, D.C., and consulted radio stations in Europe. And um, when I, I got sort of to that point in my career, after I'd, I'd done it for a couple of decades, and I actually bought a couple of small radio stations back home in my home state of West Virginia, um, I was approached by a, a psychologist in Pittsburgh who um, had heard about me and heard, you know, how I'd gotten someone on, on television. And she said, you know, can, can you help me develop a platform? And, uh, you know, I, I don't know what to do. And she was very timid, um, had never done any public speaking. And we came up with a, a unique uh, a proposition to get her in front of the media because you have to make news if you really want to recover you. And we did with her and um, as a relationship expert. And before you knew it, within a month, I think she got 60 or 62 uh, interviews and became a regular on a couple of shows as a relationship expert because that's always in the news. You know, that's timeless. And from there, it's just been lots of word of mouth and lots of people coming to me saying, you know, we want to do that. So it's truly one of these things, much like, uh, you know, speakers do, where you have an area of expertise and you want to help other people by speaking about it. I knew the ins and outs of media, having owned radio stations and been an on-air talent and an on-air television talent, that I, I took that background and, and helped people learn how to do media and then help them, uh, after they, they learn how to do it well, help them land those interviews. Because uh, I, I And I want to say it again, I can't emphasize it enough. It's not about getting the interview. It's you got to be able to perform whatever you step up to that, that X on the stage or you sit on the couch with, uh, you know, The Tonight Show, Jimmy Fallon, or you're on The Anderson Cooper Show, wherever you are, you've got to be able to hold your water and, and, and get it done. Sorry, Burke, I lost you for a second. Uh, I, I, you mentioned uh, Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy Fallon, and being on, uh, you know, interviewed by him. I'm sure people can imagine what that would do for their career, and uh, really, any kind of uh, exposure is going to be a step in the right direction for sure. You mentioned um, a platform, uh, putting a, a good platform together. I think that there may be some people that are not really familiar with that term and what that means. Can you define that? Sure, uh, I'd be happy to. And, and you know, again, if you have questions, I know that, that Brian, you've got a, a way to, to accept questions from from the listeners, and I'm happy to answer any questions they have today. Um, uh, no such thing as a stupid question; just be stupid not to ask. If you don't know something, I guarantee other people listening won't know it as well. Um, so, for a platform, media people are looking for um, you to be a subject matter expert on something. 
um, whatever it is that you know a whole lot about. And then the trick in doing what we do is matching whatever it is that you know a whole lot about to something that is in the news cycle. So you have to, you know, either be in the news or make news. And, and there are lots of ways that you can tie yourself in to what's happening in the news cycle every day. Um, because really, if you boil down what's in the news, 95% of the time, it's two things. And, and you may want to jot these down. It's heartstrings and purse strings. Because the news really, if it's going to resonate with the viewer, the listener, the reader, it has to affect them personally. And it will affect them and, and the heartstrings, the stories that, that really pull at their emotions, um, you know, good, bad, or otherwise. Or purse strings, you know, will it affect them financially or their families financially? And for your speakers who are listening, it's all about figuring out, you know, what it is that you talk about that will affect the end users, the heartstrings and purse strings. And then building a platform um, that details all of that that the media outlet can, can look at and, and wrap their arms around really quickly. You know, it's one of the reasons why uh, you and I developed this, this guest match platform and we just relaunched as Guest Match 2.0 because the first thing that media outlets uh, do is exactly what, you know, Joe and Jill America do whenever they want to learn something more. You Google it. You try to figure it out. So when they go to look for you online, you need to have all that material in one place so they can very quickly make uh, a decision. And, and I, I will tell you this as the last part of answering this question because this still surprises me. It still amazes me. Some of the biggest shows, the biggest media outlets, um, along with, with everything in between, the medium size and small ones, they make decisions really fast. The 24-hour news cycle moves quick, and if they want an expert, um, they're going to try to turn it around sometimes in 12 to 24 hours. There have been times when I've gotten a call on a Thursday saying, can your client be in New York City to be on the couch for Good Morning America tomorrow morning? And the mad, you know, rush is on. And if they're going to make that decision quickly, having all that information in front of them with your platform is essential. If they've got to look really hard for it, they're going to move on to the next person who's already teed up and ready to go. So you don't want to make them work too hard to get that information. You've got to have it all in one centralized location. You have uh, you have a, a lot of experience dealing with gatekeepers when booking clients for media exposure. What can you share with us about what those media gatekeepers are looking for in a guest? It's a good question. Let me think about the answer to that um, because it, it's changed a lot. Some of it has changed a lot, Brian, and some of it remains the same. First thing I will tell you is that it stayed the same is the golden rule. Be nice. It seems simple, but so many people blow it all the time. Um, and when we talk about media gatekeepers, so generally speaking, you know, if you want to be on the Megyn Kelly show, for example, and I have a client that, that is, you know, sort of doing that dance right now, Megyn Kelly does not decide who's going to be on her show. Now, she'll sit in a meeting with uh, bookers and producers, segment producers, and she'll be a, a vote. But she's not going to be the person that's going to get you on the show. It's going to be, you know, a, a booker that first takes a look at you. And be nice to that person. Get them the information that they need in a timely manner. 
you know, don't sell uh, tomato soup, but they want chicken soup. Be sure you give them what they need. So that hasn't changed. The the, the part of, of just being nice. Um, media gatekeepers like those bookers are primarily looking for, of course, somebody that knows what they're talking about. You know, that's just uh, that, that's the price of entry. You got to know your material. But what they really want, especially in the electronic media, the TV and the radio stuff, they want energy. They want enthusiasm and passion. You know, if, if you come across very academic, very professorial, there's very little place for you in today's media landscape because those segments are short. They want a lot of energy. You know, if you do, we keep talking about the morning TV shows like the Today Show or Good Morning America. You do one of those shows, the average segment length is about three minutes. So you've got to go and go really fast. I remember I had a, a client on The View and we went up to do The View in New York City um, a couple of years ago, and one of the celebrities uh, before him, he was a speaker and an author, a guy who done some TED Talks. Uh, you know, one of the celebrities ran late. He had, wound up having to do his deal in, in like 90 seconds. And 90 seconds when you got Whoopi Goldberg sitting next to you and Joy Behar and all of them, it's tough to get your points in. Um, so energy and enthusiasm, you know, economy of message is huge. Um, here's something that has changed a lot, though, uh, and it continues to evolve, and that is the opportunity to get a lot of media coverage um, outside the traditional outlets, outside newspaper, television, and radio. Um, there's so many exposure opportunities online now where you, you don't have to have that media gatekeeper as much, where you can submit an op-ed uh, to a website or an article to a website. You can submit video content and get it on some amazing, huge platforms. Now, there's a lot of noise out there, so the content has to be great. But if you've got great content and you've got something to contribute to a national conversation, you're going to be able to get it in there, whether it's uh, in the traditional methods or whether you use some of these new online platforms. A lot of opportunities out there you wouldn't even think about. Uh, if if uh, you are listening right now and you have a question that you'd like to ask, Burke directly. You can dial star two to raise your virtual hand. That will let me know that you have a question so that I can bring you into the call live. And that's really one of the great advantages of doing a live call like this is that uh, we we do interview, interview top experts, and this is a great opportunity for you to speak to them directly and uh, and talk about your uh, the issues that you're dealing with in your own business. So it's a, a really great opportunity to do that, something that uh, you might not have the opportunity to do very often. So again, dial star two on your keypad, or if you're connected through the uh, web call interface, click the raise hand button on, uh, on your interface there. You can also submit questions through the form on that web interface or go to speakermatch.com slash radio and enter any questions that you have there. Uh, Burke, for speakers in particular, um, are there media platforms that you would advise that they pursue over others? Let's see. If you're a speaker, if you're a, a guy who, who or a lady who wants to speak in public more, um, I would do the electronic stuff first. It, it's all good, right, Brian? So there's no downside to doing any of this. It's all, we call it earned media in, in the PR media business because you can do two things. You can either pay for advertisement or uh, even, you know, these, these advertorials that look like articles and you can buy that stuff. It's very expensive, 
Um, but I'll tell you, I'm working with a, a senatorial candidate now, a guy who's running for the U.S. Senate. He's not able to get as much media exposure as he wants because he's uh, sort of off the grid a little bit and there's an incumbent in office, so he's buying his time. Now he's spending hundreds of thousands of dollars to do it, or you can go the earned media route. And if you uh, do that, you earn it by bringing great content. So if you're a speaker, platform speaker, maybe the way to go is is to look for video opportunities because they're going to see you. Uh, and when I say video opportunities, it could be TV or it could be online television. You know, a lot of people um, consume all of their news now on on apps. Uh, you know, the Newsmax, for example, has a huge uh, online presence. Uh, CBSN is the app for CBS News, and they're 24-7, and they have experts on all the time, expert speakers. And, and what that gives you, of course, is that visual. Now, having said that on TV, I want to tell you that the TV is, is sort of the, the quote-unquote sexy medium, and everybody wants to be on TV. It's like 10 years ago when, when everybody who knocked on my door wanted to be on Oprah. Um, but, you know, just being on TV doesn't necessarily mean the most exposure. As a matter of fact, in an awful lot of markets and in an awful lot of situations, being on the radio is much more successful and works great for speakers because they can hear your points and, and they can hear your passion and your intonation and your delivery. And, and the hidden secret about the radio end of things is, that in lots and lots and lots of instances, you'll get many more impressions in radio than you will uh, on television. A lot more people are listening to radio in a lot of places. I'm based in Washington, D.C., and uh, George Stephanopoulos, who is one of the hosts of Good Morning America, does a weekly call-in on the top news talk radio station here in town, WTOP. And George says that, infinitely more people ask him about what he was talking about on WTOP because he has a house still here too and in New York than whenever they see him on Good Morning America. They hear him on the radio, so that's great. Uh, and, of course, if you're a good writer, um, uh, you know, submitting a, an article or an op-ed is great to add to your speaker package too. So it all helps. I think that all those media platforms uh, are worth pursuing um, for different reasons. I would never have guessed that uh, radio was more powerful that way, but uh, that's that's a, a great secret to share. <laughs> never would have yeah, thought that. Yeah, it, it does. It surprises people. And, and I think a lot of it has to do, Brian, with, with the fact that 70% of radio listening is, is in the car and people mm -hmm. can be doing other things. You know, you can drive or they're listening in the office. Whereas, you know, for TV, you've got to really be focused in on it. So morning drive radio tends to have, in most markets in the U.S., uh, much more impressions than morning television. So there you go. No, that makes a lot of sense. makes a lot of sense. Uh, is it true that, that no press is bad press? Hell no. <laughs> Not just no, <laughs> but hell no. Absolutely get bad press. Because uh, then you got to dig out from under it. And um, in today's world, that stuff lasts online forever. I have a, a fantastic client uh, who will remain nameless, but, uh, you know, he's been in our camp, I think, for eight years now. And um, he had a little public relations challenge last year that was completely, you know, not of his doing. And you see this all the time, by the way. My client is not unique to this. But some of the articles that were written, you know, remain online, even though, you know, nothing ever came of it. Essentially, you know, he was – 
He was uh, charged for something he didn't do, and the very next day, it, it all came out that you know he didn't do it, and there was nothing to it. But by that time, it had been written about in the papers, and you know those articles will remain online. Online um, you know, reputation management agency try to scrub that, and then you're into the tens of thousands of dollars. So no, there is such a thing as as bad press, and it's pretty easy to avoid it. Um, but you know, you, you know, all press is not good press. You just want the good press. It's pretty easy to avoid it. <laughs> I think it's getting yeah. more difficult. Uh, yeah. It, it, well, certainly there's there uh, there's the thought one, in the one world tweet, that, right? Oh yeah, yeah. That's exactly right. That there's a mercenary uh, media, you know, mercenary press. I can, having worked in the media, to not believe that they're out there circling for you. But I will tell you this. And, and I have seen this with my own eyes, and this may also surprise you. In today's world, especially in the newspaper world, um, the way that those journalists are, are graded internally is the number of clicks that their articles receive online. So if you walk into the pit, which is the, you know, the newsroom in most major newspapers uh, in America, there's a, a lighted board up there, a digital board, that shows how many clicks their individual bylines have gotten. Um, so that's that's what they're graded on. You know, how many eyeballs are there? And it's no no different than TV and radio. You know, that's how their their ratings are done. That's how they set their advertising rates. You know, what will cause people to stop? So the more controversial or sensational or newsworthy you can be, the more likely media outlets are going to want to have you on. And that's why I go back again to heartstrings and purse strings. It doesn't have to be bad news, but it does have to appeal somehow to heartstrings or purse strings or both. Um, you were talking about uh, video for speakers, which uh, I think is great, and television is uh, is one way. There's there's all kinds of online uh, opportunities too, and I'm I'm just wondering. Um, are there good opportunities for uh, for media attention on uh, YouTube or any of the social networks that include video? I, I'm not familiar with uh, you know with too much of that, but you're you're probably more uh, more in tune with that world. Yeah, there absolutely are. Um, you know, I will tell you if. <laughs> If you're a speaker and you've got a kid at home who's anywhere between the ages of like 8 and 16, there are people that they watch on YouTube that I could not name, but every kid in the world will know who they are, YouTube celebrities, for example. And they've completely circumvented television, radio, print, and online, and they get you know millions of views, and they make very healthy six-figure-plus livings with, with the video they put up there. How do they do that? It's all about the content. Um, so, yeah, are, are there opportunities there? Sure. And are there online media outlets that generate a whole bunch of eyeballs? You bet. You know, the one that I mentioned, Newsmax, is based here in D.C. There's another one that's that's based in uh, San Diego, California, called One American News. And it's just like a cable news network, but it exists solely online. Um, and if you've got a smart TV, you know, you can use the app and you can watch One American News uh, there and there are hundreds of those out there. Um, now the good news is for speakers, you don't have to travel to 
Washington, D.C., or New York, or San Diego, wherever these guys are, uh, those outlets, along with the CNNs and Fox News and MSNBCs and all those guys in the world, are more and more relying on Skype and FaceTime and actually allowing that stuff on their air. That is a big shift that has really accelerated in the last five years. You don't necessarily have to, to travel to do that video. Um, but I do want to uh, tell you one thing, Brian, and, and at the risk of just talking your ear off here about this stuff, is – it's a cautionary thing that I want to give to speakers, and, and I want you to, to listen carefully on this. Just because you're speaking on a particular subject doesn't mean the rest of the world thinks it's nearly as important or interesting as you do. You have to figure out how what you're talking about um, impacts those around you, and, and if you're going to be in the media, if you're going to get media coverage, there has to be a hook for them, a news hook. You have to figure out how to make news. And, you know, lots and lots of speakers are perhaps in the motivational or, or personal development space, for example. Well, you've got to figure out something within that broad umbrella that touches the news cycle. You know, maybe you're in, in personal development and it's this week, and as we do this, this show live, the big news, of course, is, is the sit-down between President Trump and, and the head of North Korea. Um, you come up with some angle about that, you know, is, you know, to tamp down perhaps the fear and anxiety that people have had for many years. Is, is the world a safer place now? Maybe that's what you talk about. So there's a little sort of twisting and mangling of your message to get it into the box of, of what those folks want to talk about. You know, maybe you're in the, um, uh, the healthcare space. And, and, you know, we just had two tragic high-profile suicides last week with Anthony Bourdain and Kate Spade. Maybe you become someone that can talk about that. Always remember the heartstrings and the purse strings of what's happening either in the news cycle or that will help you as a speaker make news. If you're too broad, they're not going to want to talk to you. You've got to have a hook for them. Once again, our guest is Burke Allen, and if you would like to join into the join in the conversation, dial star two on your keypad or click the raise hand button. Um, also, you can submit questions live at speakermatch.com/radio or in that online form. So we have some shy speakers on the line with us today, which I always find amusing because speakers love to talk and hear themselves, <laughs> <laughs> but. Uh, uh-huh. Not, not always on the teletimer. I guess that's because you are covering everything so well that uh, you know, they, they just want us to keep going without any, any interruption. It could not possibly be it. No. It, and again, look, if you do have questions, I'm I'm happy to answer them. And and if it is something that you don't want to talk about on this call, you know, we can certainly. I'll, I'll give you the the phone number of the office leader. I try to be the most accessible guy ever because it really does help everybody if if you go into this knowing what you're doing and. And it can really make a huge difference. I'll tell you, Brian, I've got speakers that, you know, from one television interview, they just start knocking down, uh, you know, four-figure speaker fees after that. Um, I've seen it happen time and time again. So if you do a radio interview, a series of radio, you do a series of op-eds, and you raise that profile, it will absolutely feed your speaking business. In I have a way heard that, that story myself, yeah. I, yeah. I have heard yeah. stories like that several times with people that uh, – they get media attention. Uh, one one time can make a huge difference, 
you know, write up in a major newspaper, you know, mention in a national magazine. Sometimes it's just something in a, in a, in a local paper that can make a big difference. Um, so that and writing a book are two things that, uh, that will uh, really boost your speaking business. So it looks like we shamed, and I think this is John, into uh, raising his hand. John, you're on the line. Go ahead with your question. Hey, thank you so much. I love, love, love the content. It is absolutely fantastic, and and that's probably why everybody's just being quiet because it really is it's that good. I'm making tons of notes, so thank you, thank you, thank you. So um, you're very you, well. You, you touched on a couple of of topics that are near and dear to my heart. So number one is writing a book, which I've I've got out, and then number two is you know doing the um, radio and TV interviews and things like that. So I actually spent some time and created a kind of a, kind of like a one sheet specifically for interviews. Mm-hmm. Is that something of use is, or did I just spend a whole lot of time and effort creating something that doesn't even need to be out there? That's a, a really good question. Thanks, John. And, and good luck with your speaking career. So uh, it's not a, a waste of your time. However, <laughs> and I'll tell you that when we pitch the media and, and I give it all the way on these, these teleseminars I do with Brian. He's my buddy, and he provides a valuable service. So, uh, you know, I'll tell you everything. I, I, I'm like the, you know, the Wizard of Oz behind the curtain. I'm bringing the curtain back on how we do this. If we sure. send a pitch out, and you can do this exact same thing to a media outlet, you figure out, first of all, who you're pitching to, but then it's generally a three-paragraph pitch. The first paragraph uh, relates to the subject line in the email, and we usually pitch an email. You know, that subject line, first of all, you have to grab their attention and get them to open it. So you tie it back in with whatever the top story is in the news or whatever it is that you're making news with, whatever that thing is. That's paragraph one. Second paragraph is what it is that you as a speaker can contribute to that specific angle and story. Um, and then the third paragraph is, is maybe just to make it super easy on the other end, is a list of four or five questions they can ask you, like sample questions. Ask John about bullet point one, bullet point two, bullet point three, bullet point four, bullet point five. And then, you know, at the very end, here's how you can contact him. Um, and, and the contact piece is really important, too, because I can't tell you how many times media outlets have, have tried to reach a speaker and they don't return the call for two or three days. And, look, that ship has sailed at that point. So whatever contact information you put down, make sure you check that email frequently or you answer that phone call uh, when it comes in right away. So I hope that helps. The, the speaker one sheet that you did is certainly helpful, but you'll need to customize it based on whatever it is in the news cycle. Today, if, if you were my guy today, John, and you knew anything about fatherhood, I would be pitching you for Father's Day stories because that's coming up this weekend. If you're a dad, if you had a dad, if you know a dad, you would be my dad guy. <laughs> No, that's 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 great insight. Thank you so much for that. My pleasure. Good to talk with you. Thanks, John. Uh, so, uh, Burke, I have been to your live media training, and you do an excellent job in a very short amount of time. I learned so much in my couple of days going to your event. And by the way, I highly recommend that. Anybody listening right now, if you have any interest at all in uh, working in uh, working in this area, getting some media attention the right way, 
Um, I highly recommend that you go to Burke's media training. Um, Burke, can you share some of your favorite media training tips and tactics that you cover in your your course? Sure. Um, You know, there's a lot that goes into it, and, and people are really nervous about sometimes being on the radio or TV but it really is all tactics. It's all just kind of knowing what to do and asking the right questions. And it's anything from, you know, try not to wear stripes on television <laughs> because it will mess with the, the, the screen to when you're on the radio knowing that uh, most radio stations, they will stop for news breaks at the top and bottom of the hour if you're on a news talk station. So if, you know, if it's coming up at 58, uh, 30, in the clock know that you're going to run out of time soon so that you don't start into a long story. Um, it's knowing specifically, and the number one thing that you really should write down, I think I mentioned earlier in the call, it's, it's not about the question that gets asked as much as the answer that you give. Um, and, you know, I look, I live in the cesspool of politicians in Washington who are great at this, and you better believe every one of them goes through media training with their press secretaries, um, I know this because we get hired to do it sometimes, um, they do what's called the redirect an awful lot. Um, and there's a value in that, right? So you're not there necessarily to, to get, uh, you know, thrown down the rabbit hole into talking about something you don't want to talk about. You're there for a specific purpose. And you want to do things like mention the name of your book in the media, for example. If you're an author, you don't say, well, you know, I, I wrote about this in my new book. You say, and I'm looking at a book from one of our clients on my desk right now, well, my new book, Homeland and National Security, Understanding America's Past and Protect the Future, got a whole chapter about dot, dot, dot. Um, so you're working in. Well, when I was working on my new Homeland and National Security book, I you know, so you'll work that into the conversation. And if they ask you a question that's something you don't want to answer, you use the redirect. Um, and, and you'll see this. Begin watching interviews now to, to help train yourself, but you'll see really good speakers, whether they're on, you know, uh, CNN or Fox or MSNBC or even celebrities when they're doing talk shows, um, will redirect by saying things like, uh, well, you know, the real issue here, Wolf, is I love the – that's a great question, and then they answer something completely different. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. They move on to, to whatever it is they want to talk about. Um, you know, if it gets really testy, the, well, you know, uh, Anderson, with all due respect, and then, you know, whatever comes next is going to be pretty dicey. <laughs> but um, there are a lot of specific redirecting answers that you can get to. Um, and the one that I really like um, that I think is very genuine and works really well, Brian, I call it the one plus one, and that's where – if they ask you a, a direct question, you give a direct answer, and then you move to whatever it is you want to talk about. I saw it just this morning with uh, uh, Congressman Lindsey Graham when he was asked about um, uh, you know Trump and and Kim Jong Un, and and the interviewer asked him specifically, well you know do you do you think now that uh, you know those guys uh, you know are best friends and everything's going to be uh, you know all all roses and love? And he said no. And then he went on to the next, very next point that he wanted to make. You know, so one word answer, and then he went on to what he wanted to talk about. Um, so those specific things all really, really work. And, and there's a whole laundry list of them. And, and uh, it, you know, practice makes perfect. 
the more interviews you do, the better you're going to get at it. Um, uh, you know, one little thing that I'm doing right now, uh, Shaley in my office puts up a little sign on my office door that says interview in progress. And that way, if the mailman shows up in the middle of the interview, he's not going to pound on the door. It says, you know, interview in progress, don't knock. Um, you know, if you do a lot of these from home, you do radio interviews mostly on the telephone, you put it up on your front door so that nobody rings the doorbell, you know. Please don't knock or ring the doorbell. You know, if you got a, a dog, I, I have a, a English sheepdog that likes to bark. You make sure that dog is in another room than you when you're on on uh, the radio or on TV so that, you know, the barking doesn't distract. Um, there was a great video about six months ago of the, the British guy who was on the BBC, the expert, whose little baby in the stroller came sort of into the room in the, in the background in the middle of the interview and the nanny chased <laughs> yeah. after the baby. It was a great video. That's funny. Um, so, yeah. He handled it well, too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He kept it together pretty good, you know. <laughs> So uh, yeah, I use that tip. I I got a sign on my on the door to my office here in case the delivery guy walks in, which seems to happen regularly when I'm on a teleseminar call. Uh, nobody right. knows. It. Um, let's see if I have any more questions before I move on to the next thing. Any more raised hands before I move on to the next thing? Nobody else has their hand raised right now, so. Um, you were talking about uh, diverting. Uh, attention, kind of uh, redirecting the question, is that the same um, way you would handle difficult questions if uh, someone asks you a, a tough question that you might not know the answer to or question that might put you in a compromising situation, you, you kind of answer it with a different answer? Yeah, well, there are a couple of strategies and tactics you can do there. One is, uh, I don't know if you remember a couple of minutes ago, we talked about um, when you build that media pitch and you send it to the person on the other end, if you send them, uh, and we actually tracked this a couple of years ago, by the way, if you send them a list of sample topics and sample questions, when we did our tracking, it was it came out to 85% of the interviewers will use most or all of the questions you send them in advance, which is amazing. And I mean everybody from – uh, you know, Joe Blow in Pig Knuckle, Arkansas, the, the mom and pop AM radio station to national interviewers. They'll use them. To speaker match radio. Not... Oh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Even Brian Kaplowitz may use the bullet points. Um, it's because people are busy. And, you know, a professional interviewer will do 35 to 40 interviews in a week, you know, and, and so they, you know, they can't, they can't read your book. First of all, if you think they're all going to read your book before you go on, uh, wake up and smell the coffee, that's never going to happen. So, you know, send them sample questions in advance. That helps you get around, um, you know, the, the difficult stuff because most of the time they'll stick to those talking points. Um, the other thing that you should absolutely do is do your research up front and know, you know, what you're walking into. And I'll give you a quick example on that. Um, most of your listeners probably remember Bill O'Reilly, who was a, a big star at Fox News for many, many years, and he was very combative. Well, so I had a guy who wrote a book on fatherhood. Uh, it was a, you know, a national bestseller, and he did some media, and uh, I got him on the O'Reilly Factor because there was some, some parenting issue of the day to talk about. Well, this guy, my author, who was great, super nice guy, uh, lived in Berkeley, California, very you know, liberal politically, wore an earring, and 
he was really excited when I told him I got him on Fox News until I said, hey, have you ever seen the O'Reilly Factor of Bill O'Reilly? And he said, no. And I said, oh, you got to watch. And then the next day, you know, he was white as a sheet and scared to death as to <laughs> how he's going to do that. Because, um, yeah, I mean, he thought he was going into the meat grinder. And so we coached him up. And he said, all right, listen, when he, when he asks a question and he leans into the desk, you lean right back and go nose to nose. If he rises his voice by a decibel, you raise your voice too. If he pounds on the desk, you do it. And he did exactly that. It was a great interview. It was a great piece. Oh, and I also told him, lose the earring before you go on TV. Um, do your research before you get in there and, and know where you're going. It's, it's going to be a different interview if you're with um, Hoda and Kathy Lee on the third hour of the Today Show than if you do the Howard Stern Show, to use an extreme example. Um, you know, and, and really seasoned people can, and I've seen it because, frankly, in D.C., they're in the same building. You go from floor to floor. I've seen people go from Fox News to MSNBC and, and, and alter their messaging a little bit and come out fine on both ends, and those are polar opposites. So if you know what you're getting into, that helps a lot. And then, of course, the third strategy is to use that redirecting language to stay on topic. And as a general rule of thumb, interviewers – may come back to you three times at the most to ask the same question or a variation of that same question again, but then they move on because their focus groups, their perceptual research, has shown that after three times, the interviewer looks like they're bullying the interviewee. Um, and, and by the way, all of these are extreme examples. I don't want to scare your speakers half to death. Generally, this kind of stuff, these difficult questions, generally never happen. Um, generally, you're going to go in and do what we call a puff piece, you know, something that's that's warm and you'll walk into a very friendly environment. Because, uh, uh, again, most interviewers don't want to come after you unless you've done something wrong. They're looking to you for subject matter expertise. You know, are you a sleep expert? I'm looking at books on my bookshelf from our clients. Are you a sleep expert? They're going to talk to you about that. Are you a relationship guy? They're going to talk to you about that. You know, real estate? They're going to talk to you about that. Whatever it is you know about is what they're going to want to talk about. Right. If you're not a uh, a well-known public figure that uh, has uh, has you know polarized audiences on on both sides, uh, then immediate the uh, interviewers almost always going to look like a really mean bully if they're taking an interview in that way because you know you're, you're they're the person somebody knows you as the person being interviewed that not too many people know. Uh, That's right. Don't deserve that kind of treatment. So, yeah, I, I, it's true. It's true. The well-known people may have to deal with that, but uh, it's always best to be prepared just in case, right? Uh, that's exactly right. And, and you know, generally, like I said, they'll never ask it more than three times, no matter how difficult it is. You did say something though that I wanted to jump in on real quick, and that is, you know, you're not uh, as the, the speaker, uh, the interviewee. You tend to not be as well known as the interviewer. That's actually, I think, an advantage, um, and let me tell you why. I actually wrote a book about this a while back. We've got to do an update on that. Do an update on my book um, uh, called "Becoming Semi-Famous." And the the great angle there in becoming semi-famous is that, as you know, as a speaker, you you don't just have to be a one-trick pony. Um, you know, if if you're uh, you know Michael Jordan, they're going to talk to you about basketball. You know, if if uh, you are, you know, Paul McCartney, he can talk to you about music. But as a speaker, you can position yourself for a, a certain time about one thing, and then three months later, six months later, you can come back and 
and be an expert on something else. If you have the bona fides and you can legitimately do that. Um, for example, I've got a, a speaker who I was just with last week who had one of those four-figure speaking deals uh, named Homer Hickam. And Homer wrote a, a New York Times number one best-selling book, um, and it was about his growing up in a coal mining community, but then as an adult going to work in the space program. So he is equally adept to talk to national media about NASA and the space program and and technology and everything that goes there, but he can also talk about uh, the mining and extraction industry. He's a dual expert. So depending on what you want to position yourself as, if you have more than one area of expertise, you can do that because as a speaker, you are semi-famous. You're not a one-trick pony. Now, I just want to make that delineation because I think that opens up a lot of opportunities that speakers don't think about. Um. What about uh, getting in touch with these uh, the producers, talk show hosts, other key decision makers, the you know the writers? Uh, how do you get in front of them? What's the best way to get your information to those people and let them know that you're available as a guest, that you're available as an expert, and uh, what it is that you have specifically to talk about? Sure. Well, you got two things. You got the push and the pull, right? So, the the push is generally speaking, and again, this is is, is all sort of researched out by the Public Relations Society of America and other industry groups. Most producers, most talk show hosts, prefer that that initial contact to be via email. Um, we all get way too much email. They get a gazillion emails every day. So you got to make sure you craft it correctly. You know, a subject matter line that. Uh, is going to get them to open the email, not a clickbait thing, but something that really encapsulates why this is a great thing. Um, and then you got to grab them right off the giddy up in that first paragraph as to why this is important. So that's part of it is how you write that email. Second part is making sure it gets to the right person. And that's gotten so much easier, Brian, with the, <laughs> with the Internet. I'm an old dude now, and when I started, it was Rolodexes and, uh, you know, big long list. <laughs> paper um now like you can find everybody there now there are certainly some email addresses that are, are private and confidential that that you know firms like myself have um that we utilize but you can pretty much get to everybody you just got to figure out the right person you know in a smaller media market for example in radio the talk show host may book their own show when you get to a bigger market, this is radio we're talking about, a bigger market, they'll have a producer. In television, smaller, medium markets, reporters will have some insight, but generally you want to send stuff to the assignment editor. Um, if you want to make sure it gets to everybody, I'll tell you one thing that most TV stations have, they have a news at email address, you know, news at WSAZ.com, news at, and that gets copied to all their assignment editors and bookers. Um, so that's the push part, those emails. The pull part is once you do an outbound to them, like I said, they're going to Google you. They're going to see who you are and what you're all about. I have a speaker right now who is very prolific. He's done documentary films. He's, he speaks quite a bit, um, but we're trying to level him up because this guy has done Oprah. This guy has done CNN and Fox News, but he doesn't have one central place for all of his information. Um, and so you've got to have it all there. That's why, you know, like the, the guest match uh, 2.0 is so important 
It's all got to be there. It's sort of like, you know, your speaker match profile. It needs to be in one centralized location where they can get video clips, audio clips, where they can glance and see that you've done a bunch of other shows because you've got media logos up there. Um, anything will make them feel more comfortable about, you know, who you are and, and what you can do helps. So you got to have the push and the pull. Get those two things together, and you would be amazed at what can happen. You don't have to have a big publishing deal. You don't have to be a big national celebrity. We see it all the time, every day. We have a couple of questions that uh, have been submitted. Helen wants to know um, how much does well? How much do you charge? <laughs> not not uh, generalized, but yeah, she's she's asking uh, you know what is the general fee structure for a uh, for a PR firm to offer these services? Sure, I'm happy to talk about that. Um, if you ever saw the Austin Powers movie where uh, you know Doctor Evil puts a pinky in his mouth and says one million dollars. Uh, so, look, a, a PR firm uh, or a media marketing firm is really, it's all results-driven in relationships, um, and the pricing is very customized based on, for us at least, I can only speak for my company, on what that individual client needs. And and they may need a ton of stuff, or they may, may need only one or two things. Um, but I will tell you, and, and so that that's, sounds kind of like a, I redirected that answer, uh, but it, it really is. It, it all depends on what the client specifically needs. The one constant that I can tell you is that if you really want to get out there in front of people, a public relations firm, media marketing firm is always a whole lot less expensive than if you were to purchase ad time yourself. Um, and not only is it less expensive, you know, let's face it, most people are attuned to tuning out whenever advertisements come on or not even looking at them in the newspaper, you know, going to get popcorn when they come on TV. So earned media tends to have a much more sticky quality. So doing this is, is generally speaking, less expensive by a long shot than, than purchasing media. Another great question. Uh, what's the best way to profit from the interviews that you make? What do you say and how do you say it? That is a good question. Um, because sometimes people will come to me and say, hey, I want to be paid to go on the radio and paid to be on TV. And I say, well, you are being paid. You're not being paid dollars by those TV stations and radio stations, but they are gifting you airtime. And that airtime, if you were to buy it, would cost you know hundreds and tiny markets, thousands to hundreds of thousands of dollars if it's a national hit. Um, and this is something that a lot of speakers, a lot of authors blow it on the back end, Brian. Again, I'm pulling the curtain back. Um, if, if you're going to do TV and radio interviews, people have to be able to then contact you and interact with you, and you need to be able to begin a business relationship with them. You know, if, if they happen to hear you, let's say they're driving to work in the morning, they hear you on the radio, and when they get to a stoplight or they get to their office and they Google you, you need to come up at the top. You need to be one of the top four or five you know, search engine uh, listings right there. And then when they click on that website, you've got to make it easy for them to do business with you. If you have a book, it's got to be available in one or two clicks. 
Um, and and if you if are trying to get speaking opportunities, they got to be able to figure out how to contact you in one or two clicks. And, and remember, think about the way you personally consume um, products, goods, and services. You, you know, generally speaking, you don't see one commercial for a new laundry detergent and switch your consumer behavior. You see that one commercial, and you might check it out online. Or it may take multiple times you see that commercial, and then you, you investigate it a little bit. Is this something I want to do? So what you're going to do if you're really successful is start that email database list on your website so you can begin a conversation so that people will kind of warm up to you and who you are and what you're all about. So I guess the overarching theme there is to make it easy for people to do business with you to maximize on that. And it may not happen today or tomorrow. You know, you're not going to do an interview and the floodgates necessarily automatically open. But if you do it consistently, you know, you break through that glass ceiling, you're going to see the results. It will happen, guaranteed. I think we have time for one more question. Um, uh, there's there's often some confusion between a publicist and a PR firm. Can you mm -hmm. explain the difference between those and how to know which is right for you? Yeah, yeah, and and, and that'll help you sort of decide what it is that you want to do. Um, a PR firm, and, and again, I'm just speaking from from our own you know little band of media warriors here. Um, we're sort of holistic in our approach. You know, when Ellen earlier asked, you know, so what does this cost? I meant it when I said each individual client that comes to Allen Media Strategies gets a very customized deal because they're all different and because that's interesting to me to work with, you know, one day, uh, you know, a guy who won America's Got Talent and the next day, you know, a new theatrical production that's opening up and the next day um, the world, uh, world's foremost, uh, you know, counterterrorism expert. You know, we do all of that stuff. So as a PR firm, We'll analyze you. We'll bring you in for a skull session and say, you know, tell us everything. Give me a big, massive brain dump, and so we can figure out how to best turn that into news. So it could be anything from message and media training to make sure you're good at it when you're on the air to helping develop your talking points uh, to doing the, the media outreach and the pitching uh, to escorting you to these stations in New York or Los Angeles whenever you've got something big. Um, so it can be whatever you need. A publicist tends to just focus in on getting that hit. That's all they do. They push stuff out for you nonstop, and, uh, you know, hopefully you'll do a good job at it, and hopefully you'll get asked back, and hopefully you won't burn their uh, contacts. So that's sort of the big difference. I see those terms interchangeable a lot in the industry, but, but really I would think you want to look for somebody that, that you know, can do a little bit of everything for you and give you a more holistic approach. All right, Burke, uh, we are out of time. Our, uh, our clock is at the end here, but I want to give you a chance to kind of wrap things up for us before I let you go. Do you have any closing words sure. of wisdom? <laughs> Whatever Brian Kaplowitz says, do that thing. Um, <laughs> no, I, I would say, um, first of all, I'm going to give you my office phone number and my personal email address. And if you have any questions afterwards, by all means, reach out. I'm, I'm on a plane in the morning, but I will get back to you as soon as I can. The office number for Allen Media Strategies here in D.C. is 703-589-8960. 703-589-8960. We 
My first name is Burke, B-U-R-K-E, and it's Burke at allenmediastrategies.com. Um, and then the other thing I would tell you is if you've never considered doing something like this before, check out this, this Guest Match 2.0 that, that Brian and I have launched at guestmatch.com. Um, we've sort of flipped the script on, on how this whole thing works to give speakers who are just trying to figure it out a really, really um, affordably uh, priced introductory way to kind of get it all together there where we'll do some group conference calls to show you how to do media, give you all the tools you need to generate media exposure on your own. We basically will teach you rather than necessarily do it for you, and that will save you a ton of dough. Because you know what? It's not magic. Anybody can do it. If I can do it, anybody can do it. You can too. So take a minute and check out guestmatch.com, guestmatch.com, and you might see something there you like. And uh, look forward to, uh, to helping you guys all become semi-famous. Well, thank you very much, Burke. And uh, for for those of you that are listening, especially if you're listening to a replay, you're driving in the car, um, we will have all of the uh, resources, including Burke's contact information, available in the show notes at speakermatch.com slash radio. And uh, that will make it very easy for you to get in touch with, uh, with Burke. And uh, I highly recommend that you do that if you have any need at all in getting some media attention. If you listen to other podcasts, you're probably used to hearing requests for iTunes reviews. Please, if you can, if you value today's call or any previous interviews that you've listened to, uh, I would really appreciate it if you could take just a few minutes to go onto iTunes. They don't make it so easy, but search for Speaker Match, click the review tab, click through a couple more links, and then let people know what you what you think. It's a click or two to to do that. It would really mean a lot to us, and it's really uh, so important because it's the fuel that we use to bring on other great guests and build our audience. Uh, until next time, this is Brian Kaplovitz. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening to this installment of the Speaker Match radio series, Success Strategies for Speakers from the Pros. Speaker Match is the leading provider of tools and services for emerging professional speakers. You can find more information about Speaker Match at www.speakermatch.com. Our toll-free number, if you prefer to reach us by phone, is 1-866-372-8768. International callers can reach us at area code 512-372-8768. Thank you again for listening, and we wish you the best in your speaking career.